Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I say this calls for action, and now, nip it in the bud. Well, what I do is uh, I look a woman up and down, and I say, Hey, how you doing? Oh, and I do hope you're doing well, everybody. This is Jim McCarrens with the good, the bad, and the TV on the Believe Podcast Network. It's the number one podcast network for professionals. Check us out and subscribe. Rate us. Tell us you love us. Go to your favorite podcast site. Now let's believe in the good, the bad, and the TV. The year is 1968. It's a critical and violent year in the United States. As the Vietnam War continues to spark riots and protests, spreading like kudzu across the national landscape. As the North Korean capture of the Navy intelligence ship USS Pueblo escalates Cold War tensions. As Martin Luther King Jr. is shot dead in Memphis, just a day after his passionate I've been to the mountaintop speech. And as presidential Democratic frontrunner Bobby Kennedy is shot dead in Los Angeles two months later after winning the California primary, which prompts former First Lady Jacqueline Kennedy, five years a widow, to marry Greek shipping magnate Aristotle Onassis just four months afterward, moving her family to his native Greece. If they're killing Kennedys, she's reported to have said, then my children are targets. I want to get out of this country. In 1968, Madison Square Garden opens Johnny Cash records at Folsom Prison. The Farmington mine disaster in West Virginia kills 78. The Beatles create Apple Records. The Intel Corporation is founded. Hair opens on Broadway. And famed child expert and best-selling author Dr. Benjamin Spock is indicted by the federal government for what it says is his encouragement of young men to resist the military draft. Trivia alert. Did we know that Dr. Spock actually wins a gold medal in rowing at the 1924 Olympics? I'm almost positive that we didn't. Meanwhile, in Atlantic City in 1968, second-wave feminism comes ashore when women protest what they call the degrading spectacle, known as the Miss America pageant. Yale University, alma mater of Dr. Spock, by the way, admits women, and as will be suggested by a genetic analysis to be done 35 years later, In and around 1968, the human immunodeficiency virus, known simply as HIV, the virus that can lead to AIDS, very possibly arrives in the United States. The big movies of the year, Oliver, 2001 A Space Odyssey, Funny Girl, Rosemary's Baby, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, Planet of the Apes, and The Odd Couple. The headline-making financial failures on the big screen? Well, that would be the Monkees movie called Head, Ice Station Zebra with Rock Hudson, and come October, Star with an exclamation point. Star, a musical that reunites Julie Andrews with her Sound of Music director, Robert Wise. Sadly, there are no hills alive anywhere for the sound of its music. A misfire of such proportion that it's almost instantly pulled from theaters, recut, retitled, and then re-released with a new campaign that ties it heavily to The Sound of Music. No one buys the bait and switch. 
It's a bomb, whatever it's called. A month later, in November, Julie Andrews' young stepdaughter, by husband, director Blake Edwards, her name is Jennifer Edwards, steps on a cinematic landmine of her own. When she stars in a TV movie based on a children's classic tale, which almost brings down a network. Where to begin with this one? Well, the facts are simple. Amid much fanfare and at considerable expense, NBC makes a new version of a beloved story and schedules its world premiere during November sweeps to follow its regularly scheduled late Sunday afternoon weekly football game. When the game runs long, a series of miscommunications result in the network cutting away from the end of the game to start the movie on time. Sports fans are not pleased. The details, well, the details belie the simplicity. Because the teams that play this Sunday afternoon are bitter 1960s rivals Jets and Raiders. Because the movie that cuts the game off with a minute left to play is, inexplicably, Heidi. Because the president of the network watching the game from home can't get through to his own network's master control room in order to phone to say, not now, we're not cutting off the game in its final minutes. And because in carrying out his original and once very firm marching order to have Heidi start on time, the guy running master control cuts away from what turns out to be the most thrilling 60 seconds in football history, which viewers on the East Coast don't get to see. The outrage is so palpable, the facts so ludicrous, the story so strange, the movie at the heart of the flare-up so incongruent with hard-charging football, the whole affair so widely argued about in the 24 hours after it happens that it ends up getting coverage on the nightly national news. Well, a sports tale, a sports legend, is born to be handed down from generation to generation for generations to come. It's known as the Heidi Bowl. Going into the game on the afternoon of November 17th, two years after it's decided that the AFL and the NFL are to merge, but two years before it actually happens in 1970, the Jets and Raiders are AFL leaders, each with a 7-2 record. Each has its sights set on a league championship and then the Super Bowl. Bitter rivals. Each team is making noise about the impact a win today will have. Jets quarterback Joe Namath is to square off against the Raiders' Daryl LaMonica. NBC is predicting a huge audience, both for the game and for the big-ticket new movie that it schedules to follow the game, from an Oscar-winning director, no less. The big-ticket movie? Well, that's riding into Sunday with a single sponsor. More on that in a minute. And the movie is likewise anticipating a huge tune-in this Sunday before Thanksgiving, as is the sponsor kicking off what it hopes will be a prosperous holiday shopping season. All eyes, those connected both with the game and the movie, are on a 4 p.m. kickoff and then a 7 p.m. sign-off, followed by an orphan's trip into the Alps. In 1968, three hours is considered plenty of time for a televised football game. But 31 clock-stopping incomplete passes and 19 clock-stopping penalties, and a clock-stopping on-field fight and ejection, and an increased commercial load thanks to a high-scoring game later, three hours doesn't seem like enough time at all. 
Closing in on 7 o'clock on the East Coast, with just minutes to go in an increasingly tense game. Anxious NBC decision makers watching at home, and the anxious technicians manning network controls, are swapping a flurry of phone calls about what to do. Stay with an increasingly tightening game in its final minutes, 29 all at one point, or go to the critically important movie. Mostly it's a movie that's winning, because the plan, the mandate, is that Heidi starts on time, no matter what. Writer David J. Halberstam takes it from here in a 2008 retrospective for Sports Broadcast Journal on the 50th anniversary of the game. Quote, Making programming changes on the fly in those days was not the instantaneous and seamless process that it is today when video is delivered by satellite. The use of a coaxial cable then to transmit video to NBC affiliates required a number of steps at different parts of the country. It also involved AT&T, which was engaged in some of the line switching. With big money at stake from its Heidi sponsor and an opportunity to cultivate a younger audience that that movie would provide, NBC made it clear to its head of broadcast operations to switch to the movie at 7 p.m., come hell or high water. As the game lagged, Julian Goodman, NBC's president, and his network's sports executives were all at home getting antsy. Each had only one landline, which, if in use, rendered them inaccessible. Remember the old busy signal. This is 50 years ago. As it appeared that the game would extend beyond 7 p.m., no overtime in regular season in those days, the sports execs got Goodman to agree to wait for the game to finish before starting Heidi. End quote. Which is where it gets fun. Because as the NBC folks are going back and forth and as the Raiders and Jets are going neck and neck, TV viewers have eyes on the clock too, on the East Coast. Football fans are getting nervous that NBC will cut off the game at 7. Heidi fans are getting nervous that it won't. And in these final minutes, both groups have decided to voice their anxieties with phone calls to NBC. Many, many, many phone calls to NBC. So many phone calls that they jam the NBC switchboard. Right around the time that the Jets go up by three with a field goal with a minute five to go. It's 32-29. At which point, NBC President Goodman relents. NBC will stick with the game. Heidi will start late. But thanks to those viewer phone calls, he can't get through to master control. The guy running the network is getting a busy signal. So the guy at the controls has no choice but to carry out the original mandate to start Heidi on time. Which means as anxious NBC viewers lean forward in their living room chairs to see how the Raiders handle their final minute of play down by three, what they see instead is a horse and buggy in turn-of-the-century Germany. Heidi has begun. And what they miss is the Raiders actually scoring not once but twice in that final minute of play to take the game 43-32. to And what follows is an avalanche like nothing seen in Heidi's Alps. An avalanche of fury. All hell broke loose, writes Halberstam. Quote, Viewers protested uproariously. The flooding of calls to NBC blew out over 20 fuses. 
There were even calls to the New York City Police Department. End quote. And this from newspaper columnist Art Buckwald. Quote, Men who wouldn't get out of their chairs in an earthquake rushed to the phone to scream obscenities at NBC. End quote. At the office the next day, well, the guy in charge of NBC Master Control was told he did the right thing, that he'd have been fired if he didn't carry out the order to switch to Heidi at 7, as originally planned and mandated. But from a corporate point of view, Monday morning apologies are many and wordy from NBC to, well, the world. Here's how David Brinkley reports it later that night, Monday night, following the Sunday game on the network's evening news. Last night, somebody in the vast reaches of the NBC network didn't get the word, as in the Army. The result was that football fans by the thousands were roused to a cold fury and some probably haven't cooled down yet. At 7 o'clock last night, NBC was carrying the pro game between the New York Jets and the Oakland Raiders. There were 65 seconds of playing time left. At 7, NBC had scheduled a two-hour special program for children, a dramatization of Heidi. It was decided Heidi should wait a couple of minutes until the game was over. But somehow that decision never reached those who were pushing the button. So the football game was cut off the air a minute before it ended, and Heidi was started. The football fans erupted. There were 10,000 phone calls of complaint to New York NBC alone. So many, the telephone switchboards blew out their fuses. NBC apologized for the error, but by then, Oakland had scored two touchdowns in the last minute, had beaten New York. The game was over. The fans who missed it could not be consoled. Well, here is the last minute, as it would have been seen last night if somebody at NBC had got the word. Monica to Charlie Smith. Smith is hitting, and he scores! Absolutely berserk. Twice the Raiders have looked beaten, and rookie Charlie Smith, who's put on quite a show, has just grabbed this one. And now Oakland has the lead 35 to 32 with 42 seconds. But the Jets still have Namath coming back. That makes it 36 to 32. And now the Jets receive. The last two times the Jets have had the ball, they marched right down for scores on Namus passing. Namus 17 for 35 today, 342 yards. LaMonica is uh, 20 for 32 and 251 yards. They squib this one to prevent a run back. Will Christie fumbling it around. He fumbles the ball, and Oakland has it for a touchdown. Oakland has scored two touchdowns in nine seconds.
Boston now is kicking off after the penalty on the extra point. They're kicking off from the New York Jet 45. It just might be that I should will kick this ball over the goal line. I might put it into the seat. And he does. It bounces out again. Jets will never lose a more heart-breaking game than this. They had this one right in their hands with a minute five to go. They kept coming back and coming back. They scored with three seconds to go at the end of the half. They were behind, took the lead. Oakland went ahead. The Jets came back again to take the lead. Dave Willie's a quarterback now. Loser fumbles the ball. Ben Davidson has him, and Davidson bulldogs him down. Ben Davidson, number 83. This one's about all over, 15 seconds. We'll have a quick sign-off here. We hope you enjoyed the game. We'll be in San Diego next Sunday, 4 o'clock Eastern time, with a Jets against San Diego. This is Kurt Gowdy, and a great job today by Al Rogatis. And that's it, the final score. 43, New York, 32. It got to be so bad that when people phoned NBC to complain and couldn't get through because the switchboard fuses were blown, they started calling the police and threatened to blow their fuses. Good night, Chet. Good night, Dave. Good night for NBC News. Under the heading of This is Why We Can't Have Nice Things, Heidi director Delbert Mann is plenty pissed this Monday, too. Not because his movie interrupts the game at such a critical point. Tough, he later says in an interview, saying, that's the way the ball bounces. But because in an attempt to quiet the nation Sunday night after the game is cut off, NBC runs a crawl across the bottom of the movie with the final score at what Mann says is the most critical point of his movie. Three pieces of trivia related to the Heidi Bowl. One, In the wake of the Jets-Raiders game, the NFL, just as miffed by what happens, institutes a new clause in its TV contracts that calls for all televised games in the future to be broadcast through to their finalities. Two, the Jets-Raiders game on this famous Sunday is actually the second of a football doubleheader for NBC. Buffalo takes on San Diego first. It too runs long, but so determined are NBC executives to get to the 4 p.m. game on time that the Bills-Chargers game is cut off before it ends. Chargers take it 21-6. to And three, NBC's single sponsor for the world premiere of Heidi, the movie that makes an enemy of the clock, Timex Watches. You gotta believe. Hey, send us some questions and feedback and suggestions on Twitter at Believe Podcast or visit us at Believe.com. That's also where you can get some information on advertising on any of the many Believe podcasts, including mine. Find and download The Good, The Bad on the TV on Apple, where you can subscribe and rate us, or on Spotify, where you can follow us, or just plain listen for a new drop each Thursday on these sites, or Stitcher, or Luminary, or TuneIn, or Google Play. And then like the show all over your social media, too. I'm Jim McCarrens. We'll kick off again next week. Timex brings you the world's first electric wristwatch. You see, a tiny energy cell this small keeps the watch turned on for a year without winding. 
then you simply have the energy cell replaced. And you're turned on all over again. So if you're a high-powered executive, a go-go girl, or any other turned-on type, turn on a new electric Timex, and you'll never have to remember to wind your watch again. Timex Electric Fashions from $50. Don't wind it up. You turn it on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.